Hi, I'm Connor Byrne, and this is That's What I Call Marketing, the podcast where you will hear from the leading lights in the marketing world and listen to their unique stories. Today, I am joined by Lee Barnes, Chief Customer Officer at Intrepid Travel. I came across Lee from an article on the wonderful MI3 site and reached out to him to ask if he would talk to me more about it. The article was titled, How Ex-Chief Purpose Officer at Intrepid Travel Turned on Decades of Performance Marketing, Got Brand Religion to Meet $1 Billion Global Revenue Target, and It's Working. Well, what a great title for an episode, although I might need to make it a bit shorter. So Lee said yes, and we met when Lee was working in Canada to talk more about what has changed for Lee and what that means for marketing at Intrepid Travel. If you don't know Intrepid, they are a B Corp travel company with ambitions to be a $1 billion business by 2025. Lee has been there for 14 years doing a number of different roles. So we talk about that experience, how he was a believer in performance marketing as the driver of the business, and how he saw all metrics fall off a cliff during COVID and how that brought him to think there must be a different way. How reading and research changed his perspective and he navigated that change in the business which, with major support from his friends in finance. This is a fascinating episode. Lee is highly entertaining and an educated guest. Enjoy. Lee, thanks for joining me on That's What I Call Marketing. Great to have you. Absolute pleasure, Connor. Thanks heaps for having me. And apologies for the background. I'm in a tiny pod hotel in Toronto. So if anyone's got any issues, take it up with the hotel, not me. <laughs> Couldn't tell where you are. Not a, not a chance. It looks like beautiful artwork behind you, Lee. Oh, cool. Thank That's you. Thank you. That's yeah, what you I was going like, for, yeah. You look like you're framed. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I've been trying to get a nice picture of myself my whole life. So this could be, uh, this could be <laughs> this it. Is, this is it. Um, so, Lee, for people who don't know you, you're chief customer officer at Intrepid Travel. Tell me a bit about you, your role and Intrepid Travel. Yeah, well, in my opinion, I'm lucky enough to have one of the best jobs in the world. I get to um, work with our customers, our marketing, our digital, our brand, our comms here at Intrepid. Uh, We're building, we like to, our aim is to build the best travel company for the world. And I get to come to work every day with a great bunch of people from all over the world in all walks of life. Um, and realistically trying to do three things here at Intrepid. One, make us a global iconic brand um, so more people know about us, whether that's in Tokyo, Toronto, London. Uh, Two, make it as easy as possible for customers to book, interact, have fun with Intrepid. And three, manage our reputation, ensure that we we do everything we can to protect that and and put it up in in, in lights when we deserve to. So, yeah, great job, very lucky. Um, And I get to travel around the world probably a little bit more than I should. So, very, very cool. (laughs) It's not a bad, not a bad job. It's a, a B Corp company. Just for yep. anyone listening who may not know, what can you explain what that is and how that's kind of important to Intrepid? Yeah, super important and great question. Um, it, it, it does a couple of things. One, it essentially, essentially, is a signal or accreditation that says you use your business as a force for good. Yeah, so it's fundamentally you are a business that is um, going beyond just profit as its main metrics. Yeah, that you are looking after the community, the environment. Um, your people, everything that goes around it with your different uh, shareholders and stakeholders within an organization. Now, that's the accreditation part. You're able to stick that little B. Hopefully, you see an Intrepid uh, ad or anything. You see that little B up there. That's a signifier to customers. Yeah. But uh, where it actually has the most powerful benefit for an organization is it actually is a, an audit process. So much like you do with your finances every year, 
B Corp, you'll accredit it, your business, you'll do an audit every three years and it goes through and looks at ways around how you are engaging with the planet, what you're doing with the community, how you're interacting, and it gives you a blueprint around how you can get better. So okay. just like you would do with a financial uh, audit, you see where you aren't, uh, don't have the chops, where you've got to make improvements. One of those, and I don't know if we'll chat on it today, Connor, but we were recommended to do an ethical marketing, uh, ethical marketing guidelines around how we represent uh, people from all walks of life and do a better job around DEI. And that okay. came out of directly from that B Corp. So it gives you practical advice on how you can get better. Okay, I do, but let, we'll try touching that because that, that is really interesting. I was talking to somebody yesterday about, about kind of that, that topic. Um, how, I guess, how can a travel company be good for the planet? Yeah. Well, not, not always. Like it's, it's an yeah. internal, internal battle, battle corner, you know, like um, we strive, I think the way that we, we frame it is we strive, as I said, to be the best travel company for the world, but we know we're not perfect. Yeah. We know that um, travel and flights specifically um, contribute a large chunk. I think it's about 8% of the, the world's uh, carbon comes from the travel sector. Um, so we know that. So yeah. one, we actively do everything we can to reduce our impact. So we offset all of our business, uh, investing in environmental gold standard projects. We have signed up to the UN-based uh, science targets reduction uh, initiative. So we reduce all our carbon and then we advocate like crazy for positive change. So I think, you know, one, we minimize our damage. Two, um, we advocate for the change we want to see. But then there's also a lot of positive stuff from tourism as well. Um, money goes directly into local economies. Um, yeah. We do a lot of work with around community projects and ensuring they have self-determination. Um, we do more than just the, the climate component. So, yeah, we aren't perfect. We strive to minimize that impact um, and we're always looking to get better. So it's probably a complicated question, but we're always trying to do our best um, and make improvements. But there's a lot of powerful impact from travel, getting cash into local economies, yeah. um, employment, um, so yeah, it's it's more than just the the pure climate impact, but we're doing everything we can to reduce that. It's really interesting. One of my previous guests uh, well, um, was a lady called Maddie Cooper, who has years of experience uh, and has just gone out in her, with her own agency in the area of sustainability marketing. Yeah. And one of the things she said to me was a frustration for her was oftentimes it's just a footer or a footnote on a website and, you know, hard to find, go here to hear about, you know, what we're trying to do better yeah. and one thing she said was like it's not that companies aren't doing it it's they don't know how to tell that story and it seems obviously it's so central to intrepid travel you know yeah. it, it obviously is very important to you to be able to tell those stories about what you're doing you know to, to be better yeah well i think the, i think the difference here and where uh companies get into a bit of trouble is we're, it's built in our company. It's absolutely at, at the core. We have a purpose yeah. department. It's part of my KPIs as a, as a leader to deliver certain purpose uh, initiatives. And it was fundamentally built in the company from the start. So any company where you've got these intrinsic parts of your business, you tell that story out. What happens internal becomes external. So when you're actually doing it, and it's built in your company, it becomes very easy. Not easy. everything's tough, but yeah. it becomes much easier to tell that story and own it. You know, we talk yeah. about it all the time. Where I think companies get into the issue here is it's bolted on. And where it's bolted on, you're either being disingenuous, you're just doing it for the marketing juice. Um, and that is hard to tell because it's not built into your company. Yeah, I think that's where you start to see some of these greenwashing or purpose issues where someone's like, hey, we want to donate. We're going to get this project, invest in it and just add it on to the company. That's where I think the storytelling becomes hard because it isn't your core business and it's not actually part of what you're doing. So I think where it's built into your company, it's part of your leadership, it's part of everyone's jobs every day that what's internal becomes external becomes second nature. 
it's where I think companies are adding it in for like marketing benefits or sales benefits, as opposed to it being part of your organization where that storytelling becomes a bit disingenuous or harder. Yeah. And not to get into this too deeply, but do you think companies who maybe haven't started out maybe in the same way Intrepid has, like this is core to what we want to do in the world, can find a way to make it part of their business? It's def- I imagine it's harder, but is there a yeah, way, do you think? It's, it's harder. Yeah, I think, oh, yeah, it, it's definitely harder, but I think what, what you need to know, you need, you need buying from leadership, yeah? So yeah. it does come to, like, the classic stuff is, like, you know, what's important gets measured. You know, you've got to have leadership me- metrics and stuff. It's got to be part of your strategy. It, it needs to have the boards buy-in. It needs to get cash resources. Yeah. It, it needs to, like, anything, just like um, any other function of your business, you know, if you want to be good at marketing, you invest in marketing. If you need to have strong governance, you set up your governance systems around it. Um, if you need to have innovation from a manufacturing, you put cash, you put metrics, you put people in those roles. So 100% companies can do it, but they're starting behind and they need to do the same amount of struggle. What if you're deciding as an organization that we're going to win at it? You need to put the resources, the metrics, the cash, the buy-in, just like you would any other sector. And to do that, yeah, you can start to make those decisions because your leadership team is going to be incentivized on it. They're going to have metrics. They're going to start changing behaviors. Um, You're going to put cash into it. Cash helps drive resource, getting these things to happen. So, yeah, I think you've just got to look at it. And for too long, sustainability maybe has looked at as a hippie thing or off to the side, we'll hire someone, we'll get a sustainability manager and they'll take care of it and they can do cupcakes on a Tuesday to talk about this. (laughs) That's not going to win the game, yeah? And it's not going to help you do it. If you set up and get someone at the sea level uh, that that ownership, you do those changes. Like every other part of your business, you may not be great in year one, but by year ten, yeah. you're moving in the right direction. Yeah. So I think it's taking it seriously, like you would any other business function. Cut the crap, and if you want it to be part of what you are, put your money where your mouth is, and I think that will drive and you, and you can make it happen, but it will take longer. Yeah, and and for, like Maddie had some wonderful examples of the commercial benefits of it. So like you know, there's a lot of evidence to suggest that it's actually a really good thing. But again. It's not, yeah, it's not just goals drive behavior. Also, the money has to go with it as well. I think that's yeah, really and, important. Yeah, attitude. You know, leaders have to want that change. They have to talk about it. They have to, you know, um, so much of leadership is the stuff that's not written down. You're showing the behaviors. You're actively out championing it. Um, you are putting resources towards it. You're tailoring what you're marketing and talking to. Um, and it's the attitude that comes with it to say, hey, we are not only going to sell this product, but we're going to ensure this product um, has as minimal impact as possible and that where it does have positive impact, we're going to amplify it and then we're going to get out as leaders and champion for positive change. Yeah. Hey, going back to you and your your journey at Intrepid Travel, you've been there for over nine years, am I right? And you've had a couple Four, of different... Oh, yeah, 14 years now, yeah. I'm, so I'm 14? Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had no the last year, The last five flew. <laughs> Yeah, well, I think I had long locks too at the start, very long hair and not a touch of grey. So, you know, things change. Yeah, 14 <laughs> years. Wow, okay. I got that wrong. But um, you've had a few different roles at, in, at Intrepid yeah. Travel. Tell me about kind of the, the path to becoming Chief Customer Officer. Um, yeah, I've been very lucky. Um, I started off uh, as a search and social media coordinator. So back in the day, my chops were, I started up Twitter and Facebook pages and turned on PPC ad accounts. So that's probably showing my age now, Connor. And at the point I was, you know, what did I get called? Things like social media Jedi or like uh, yeah. <laughs> internet wizards, like dumb stuff like that. I don't know if you ever experienced the kind of it. Yeah. You got called every sort of weird sort of tech name. So I started off uh, there and then I think the big thing for me, I was very much open to luck or open to opportunity. And I moved to Toronto and became our uh, regional director probably when I was about uh, 30. So quite, quite young, had a massive opportunity, which Intrepid gave me. They pull a hell of a lot of faith um, in a 
in a guy from the the western suburbs of Melbourne uh, that may have not normally fit into a traditional um, leadership role and was able to grow the business there from about a $10 million business to a $100 million business over my time there. And it was off the back of really focusing on setting the brand up, PR, partnerships and and digital. Um, We grew that business quite rapidly. And that sort of was my kickstart. I was getting to go to New York and Chicago and Mexico City. And I was like, wow, oh, wow. What, what is this world, man? I'm on like TV and talking <laughs> at panels. And I'm like, I'm just a guy from the, the suburbs in, in Melbourne. And I was like, just game change. The opportunity in North America is just uh, otherworldly sometimes. And uh, that really changed me as a person a lot. I, I probably went as... Um, uh, it's classic Aussie bogan uh, overseas and, came, <laughs> and probably came back a, a woke lefty in some regards, uh, you know, with, uh, uh, <laughs> painful. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I went, um, yeah, went from a fuel guzzling, uh, you know, uh, car to being like no car or a little, you know, so completely changed my look on the world. Um, that's why you travel. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, it was, became home and was the chief purpose officer. So I was responsible for, um, our sustainability um, uh, set up at Intrepid. And two things I was quite proud of, I implemented our first ever reconciliation action plan at Intrepid. And that's how Intrepid engages, reconciles, interacts, champions, First Nations people in, in Australia okay. um, and was able to implement that. We, we now um, have uh, over 50 First Nations experiences in our products. Half a million dollars went into First Nation businesses. Right. We have uh, First Nations uh, on our advertising and marketing to celebrate that product range and signed up uh, Intrepid. Um, I'll set it on its path to be part of the UN uh, science-based targets reduction. Um, initiative, but then I stepped into the chief customer role about three months before the pandemic, Connor. So uh, a brutal time, brutal time to take that on in a, in a, in a travel company, mate. Yeah, so, where are the customers? Uh, well, it was, it, was, it was getting the customers home. Like, I think. Uh, oh, wow. Trying to, yeah. Trying to get, you know, tens of thousands of customers back from Peru, Morocco, Costa Rica, all over the world. Then it was dealing with the fact that customers couldn't travel and we had to do refunds and. You know, that was a that was a humbling egg on the face moment where we just couldn't get uh, refunds and, and we weren't didn't have the people and we had to completely change tact and put a whole team onto it and start giving refunds. I think we ended up uh, refunding over $30, $30 million back to, to our customers oh, wow. over that time. So, yeah, that was brutal. But um, it also gave us a couple of punch in the face moments where we probably set course on a new Intrepid, double down on our purpose decided to invest in brands, stop being just completely performance driven, um, get our customer care house in order, focus on making it easier for customers. And I think, yeah, that, although it was hard and gave me some of my gray hairs and some of my uh, anxiety or pessimism over that time, it was a kick in the pants that we needed and sort of helped us correct course on some of the marketing stuff. Yeah, and I want to I definitely, I want to touch on, on that because it's a very important part of the your and Intrepid story because you've said that you are you're a career performance marketer. And mm. so I'd love to, sorry, correct me if that's not uh, correct. That you said yeah, that. Yeah, per, yeah, yeah, performance and sales guy. You know, I came from yeah. business development, came into the world managing PPC, digital and all that sort of stuff. So most of my marketing chops came from, from that side of the world. And what kind of, I mean, obviously the experience of doing it was what led you to that belief. But, but obviously it stayed with you through a number of years that performance was... Yeah, the tool for marketing. What was it that so strongly kind of held you yeah. to that belief? So a couple of things happened. So COVID happened, and our traffic dropped off, dropped off a cliff, right straight away. Um, 
So that wasn't sustainable. So that was a real punch in the face. And I'm like, well, if this happens overnight, this 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 can't be the way forward if we're so beholden um, to, to one particular way of thinking. Uh, I also personally reflected on my time in North America. Uh, the PR stuff really drove the business, having that brand reputation. So that self-reflection. And I read like crazy during the pandemic. You know, I sort of threw myself into reading like, um, giving myself a marketing refresh over that time into, you know, John Evans, Mark Ritson, uh, Les Burnett, and like just went to, t- went to town that, um, on reading and sort of um, had to get my head out of my own ass and, and work out what was going to be the best thing. And I think one of the main things was what do we want the company to be known for and why do I work here? And that was around, you know, we want to create positive change through the joy of travel. We want to stand for something. We want people to know us. I think one of the hard things too and one of the reflections when we weren't traveling was sort of what I've termed was the realization that at times we can be a phantom brand. What I mean by that, okay. it's not a product. Yeah, you don't see the car, you don't wear the t-shirt, you don't drink the drink. You go on the trip and have an experience, amazing, but we don't have any um, mental availability. You don't see the brand anywhere, yeah. the physical, so you don't see it anywhere. So there was that reflection is when people don't travel with us, they don't know, they don't talk. People aren't having, like, there's no reminders. There's no yeah. stuff coming through. And, and we sort of looked at, you know, about 25% of our business is driven by word of mouth. And I was like, the only time we're going to drive it is if someone's on a trip and customers are only going to go on trips with us probably once every three years. And that's a great customer, you know? So okay. we were like, how the hell do we get more people talking about us? And that was like, we need to make this shift. Yeah. And, and that's been things like more out of home. So we're clearly present. People see it. We've increased the amount of on-trip branding. So we brand up our experience more, leaders, okay. T-shirts, signs, getting that to come through. And then continuing to do more of that PR, all that sort of storytelling. So people could see and talk about Intrepid and have this brand that became physical and wasn't just phantom, online and only on trip. So it's been that sort of wake-up moment through the pandemic and trying to get people just to be able to see, touch, feel, think, remember Intrepid. Yeah, it, it you know, kind of, it, it's a very interesting thing because a lot of that evidence was was there right i mean you know long and short of it is now 10 years old and so going yeah. back three plus years you know i guess what was it that like that pulled you towards feel benet you know ritz and all that kind of stuff i mean maybe time necessity but like what was it that made you kind of dig deeper at that moment time and necessity necessity right. is the main thing <laughs> <laughs> I, I, well, and, and also to the brutal thing is, you know, sales can, you know, sales and promotions and performance can be a bit like that heroin drug. You know, it, it, it gives you that hit. It becomes your chaser and tail. You see, hey, there's this big spike. We've got to hit this big spike again. It becomes that brutal self-fulfilling prophecy. Um, and you are re- rewarded on it too. So yeah. I think it, it was the reality is during the pandemic, we weren't rewarded on that. We didn't, we couldn't hit, wasn't no trip. So you sort of start to think about what is the function of marketing? So I think, uh, the brutal reality was I was new into the role. The pandemic gave me time and the space to think about what was actually helping the business grow. Um, and it keeps coming back to those three things I said at the start. Um, fame, people knowing, two, ease of use for customers, and three, that reputation of our, of our brand. So it was the time. And it was just, I think the kick in the past, I started to get the, you know, you get the weekly reports, your digital reports, and traffic was just gone. Like completely, you know, like, yeah, yeah. Gone. And you're like, the only thing keeping us up it was, was organic. So SEO was like the, the main driver. So people were still looking. But, you know, paid performance, we turned that switch off. We turned off our advertising. And it was like the brand had like shrunk, you know, 50% overnight. And so that was that kick up the pants moment. So time, necessity, and just reality. Yeah. You start to think about, okay, 
we are a brand that wants to you know change the way people see the world um we think we're striving for something good but as soon as we don't do performance advertising half our traffic vanishes that yeah. didn't marry up to me in uh in, in, in the world and so that was a catalyst to be like okay lee you got to get your reading on here you probably need to take some of this a bit more seriously i had to pull my own head i had to pull my own head in um and had to you know get the business on side too because i had to get coming into what last year i think i think for people in travel and marketing maybe forget that last year the pandemic was still raging and yeah. and i had to we had to get buying from the business to say we're going to do brands from what do we do brand in london for the first time from about march let's say March, April uh, last year. And we did big brand campaigns in Toronto and Melbourne. And we sort of had to wait for the sales. Like you can imagine being in the pandemic, we haven't had sales in, in that volume. We did, did revenue, but not like, you know, the 600 yeah. million that we're, we're on track for this year. And we went out and did the, the brand campaigns and it was sort of like, just had to wait. Um, and we saw positive things like more traffic in, you know, the cities that we wanted to have, you know, where we were advertising, we saw, um, more businesses like unintended consequences really came through in brand other businesses reaching out to us and okay. um, and we sort of waited and then holy from November we had our biggest sales day ever we've had our biggest month ever we've um, on track this year for our biggest year ever you know things like uh, this month out of the USA we're a hundred percent up um, wow. Europe uh, where we're up about thirty percent we've drastically changed our split we're about um, 65, 70% industry, 30% direct. We're now about 60% direct, 40% oh, wow. industry. Um, and that has started to turn the machine. So yeah, it was a bit of getting the buy-in. It was a bit of, I was stressing, like yeah. the, I was stressed waiting for this to happen. And then it, it did just tick and work. Um, and yeah, it's so I've made that sound quite easy, but it was a bit of hard work. Well, that, and, and Yeah, look, that, that's and, the, the piece. I think it, yeah, because like it's, you ha like no, you haven't made it sound easy. I but I think it's how you move a business that, as you call it, kind of is, is almost addicted to the performance. You know, and I, okay, the reports and the data help, but that's a significant shift to say actually the things that we've done for the last 10, 11 years, or however many years it was that were working, aren't going to work anymore. How did you how did you make that case? Yes, you had the data of the traffic, but like this is, I'm. I'm going to yeah. guess people came to you and said, yeah, but, but Lee, when this ends, we'll go back and it'll be fine. Of course. And of course, and also the other crazy thing that happens is because brand works, your sales perform better, which makes people want to do more sales, right? Because yeah. every time you hear more people, because more people know you, when you go on discount, more people purchase from you. Yeah. And yeah. So there's that, there's that thing now that I'm learning to deal with as, as, as well. Um, look, two things were incredibly strong at the pandemic, pre-pandemic. PR has always been a big part of our, our business. Travel has great stories and organic SEO. So we are very strong from an SEO point of view. So that were two strengths um, that we had as an organization and they were business strengths. You know, they weren't performance. Like that's having a great website with great content. that's telling amazing stories. So when you go back and tell the business, what are our two strengths? Do you want four more of these strengths? Do you want to have four more of these things that are like absolute winners about the business? And it's not so much marketing, you know, if we have great on ground experience, that's the product and the team yeah. and the people, the passion. So if we say our product is branded beautifully, people engaged, they love the look of it. It fits. If we're now known for out of home, you see Intrepid every year, a couple of times a year, it's building these products that not only give you strength, but the business is proud of, you know, I think that was the other thing too, is I got, had to target people's emotions. Like, do you want to be known for this? What are the things yeah. you're really proud of as a company and a leader? And 
um, you had to, and they know that, yeah, people know, like they, that's, what do you want to be proud of? I want to be known as like a marketing leader that drove the business forward, made it more profitable, grew its revenue, but you know, people knew who the hell we were. And I think yeah. one of the things that helped and the way I've done it is you've got to tell stories to your leaders and your people to get them on board. And the story that I use comes back to is about me. And, you know, I went to, I got the job as a, I moved to Toronto at the pub with friends. No one knew who the hell we were. Yeah. I'm at the pub and I'm like, Barnes, where do you work? Oh, Intrepid Travel. I've got no idea who that is. Okay. All right. That's a concern. How are you going to buy if you don't know who we are? <laughs> yeah. Got back to Australia. Australia, we're much bigger. At the pub with my friends and they're like, what the hell do you do, man? Who do you work for? I, like, what is it? And these are my, these people should know. They look yeah. like them. And, and, Close and they friends. Know. Yeah. And they're like, what's, your, what's this company? Now they're like, they share with me. Like yesterday, we were listed as one of Time's most influential companies. And my friends are going back on Instagram going, Barnes, this is so cool. You know, you're doing this stuff like that is like a pub test that sort of, and then telling that story to our leaders, like go to the pub, go to when you have coffee, when you're with your friends, do they know who we are? Yeah. What do they think about us? How do they know us? And that was real to those people. So that happened at a leadership level. And then I had to sort of go about protecting our people and working with our people to say, trust this, this is going to work. I understand that we've got these sales pressure and we need that sales pressure. That's important. It helps us grow and all that sort of stuff. But there was the duality of stories to leadership, getting them to buy in and then protecting and working with our teams to ensure they had the space to go and make that happen. Yeah. And it, like, it's a, almost like a cultural shift in a way, you know, like it's transformation in a, in a way of, of a, of a company to say, that's how we did it. And now we're going to do something different, you know? And so yeah. I, I guess, how did you bring your team along with you? Because if you were doing all the reading, you know, were you yeah. saying to them, you guys need to read this stuff and like get to know it? Or was it just kind of, you know, uh, oh, like, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> sometimes you think, your brain does funny tricks. Sometimes I'm like, oh, it was just to that. It just happened. But now that you start to think about it, I'm like, oh, no, there was lots of stuff. But uh, yeah, so reading and sharing heaps of stuff, like, you know, telling people, listen to this podcast, read this book, do the research. It's here you know, make this happen. Also direction. Like I, I started to say, I want this behavior. Like 50% of our cash now needs to go to this and I won't sign off the marketing budgets unless we see that change. Um, and then celebrating the wins. So, right. you know, on our, at our fortnightly uh, all hands, you know, look at the, this amazing piece of out of home, celebrating the team that did that. The wins that we got started to talk about, you know, the tourism board reached out to us. They wanted to speak to us after they saw X or okay. so that storytelling back to my own team was really, really important. And then the results came through that really, to be honest, well, quite, I wouldn't have worked if the results didn't come to be brutally honest. It's a different <laughs> podcast altogether. <laughs> yeah, Taylor, it wouldn't be me. I, I, I would have been in this hotel. I'd probably be somewhere else. Um, yeah. So, um, had to lead, had to make the call. Like I had to make, I had to, be, yeah. I had to say, we're putting this amount of cash into it. I had to go into their leadership and say, I want money for these things that I can't guarantee return today. Uh, so I had to do that where you've just got to lead. Then celebrate the, the wins and the work that's done. Give people the space to make it happen. Um, and then you do need the results to back it up. Like this yeah. is not fluffy stuff. You've got, to, you've got to keep showing. Our job as marketers is to make the business more profitable. Um, yeah. And you've got to show those results. Yeah, and if you can't, no one gives it like the engagement metrics, all that sort of stuff are good and they help you maneuver and get in the right direction. But if we're not helping the business be more profitable and deliver its business goals, it, it, it becomes fluffy yeah? and it becomes really hard to justify what we're doing. Yeah. What's interesting about that is that there are some, I guess, criticisms maybe of brand marketers that they are sometimes a bit fluffy and, and don't necessarily think that way. But, I, you know, it's, it's clear and a lot of people I speak to in this podcast 
are amazingly commercially minded brand marketers who think exactly that way. It's the the difficulty, I think, is the gap in mm. in timing. You know, the the immediate your campaign goes live, you you may not see the results for a period of time. Yeah, and I think we're part to blame. We've created a culture where we've maybe not educated our marketers or like we've set them up right. Like, you know, our job is clearly to represent the business, project the business, help a business hit its goals. Otherwise, we are a cost center and, you know, we don't deserve yeah. the, the cash. We've got to work out what's important to our business and deliver it. Um, also, too, it's a hell of a lot more fun. If you're a brand marketer and you've helped the business be more profitable, you've helped someone that does um, manage commercial hit their targets, oh, yeah. aren't you popular at the business and your job is really fun. Everyone's like, There's I league. want brands. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Get, get. Why, why isn't my trip featured on the ad on, um, yeah. on the, the main train station in Melbourne? Why aren't we on the tube? Amazing how quick that changes. So, it's, you know, I think whereas before you would have, if you were just focused on the fluffy stuff, you'd be always people are skeptical. So, yeah, I think you've got to lean into your business. You've got to understand your business. You know, you've got to understand like there's there's certain stuff that you have to know about it. Um, but it's a hell of a lot more fun once you start hitting helping other people in the company meet their commercial goals. Um, and you've got to lean into finance. You've got to lean into understand what helps the business tick where you can contribute, what the problems are, what are the financial problems, how you can alleviate those, what are the opportunities, how you can accelerate those. Um, excuse me. And um, you've got to lean in. You've got to lean in and have, have you know, financial partners and people that you can uh, challenge, talk to, and understand what they care about. And then once you do that, they start fighting for you. They're saying, we need more yeah. cash. We, we need to protect. We want more percentage. We want... Um, we've got to have this. We don't want to turn it off. If we turn it off, we're going to see future sales uh, decrease. Um, so yeah, you've got to bring them on that journey and coach and spend time and uh, get them to challenge you because some of my assumptions are BS. You know, I'm, I'm not the fi- I'm not I'm not the financial director. Um, you know, I'm a storyteller or a performance marketer, as I said yeah. at the start. So uh, you need to get BS called on some of your crap. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think you've got to lean in. You've got to have that, that understanding and it'll make you a better marketer. It'll make you a hell of a lot more popular. Um, and your team will respect you more because you are making the sound decisions as a leader to say, we're spending this much money because I'm going to make X happen. You know, we, we do this. You yeah. give clarity. You say, we're going to spend this amount of money. Short term, we need this amount of traffic. We're going to hit that. Long term, we're going to have this amount of uh, brand uh, knowledge. We're going to focus on our... Um, uh, yield. We need to have yield. Like we're going to deliver on that for the organization. You give clarity. You speak from a position of knowledge, and that gives trust. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and and calmness in leadership. Because once you know your numbers too, you're a lot more calm. And I think what happens a lot in marketing is under diagnosis or shopping lists, where hey, there's this issue. We're going to do a hundred things. Mm. And what happens is the customer's not waiting for a hundred things. They don't like. If you add this little block on every email, you do this, they're like, actually, guys, the price is too expensive. No matter how much you promote it. Or, you know what? I can't get, there's no there's no flight to that city at the cost that I can afford. So I'm not buying that trip to Costa Rica. It's yeah. not going to happen regardless. So once you start to understand that, you can better diagnose and you might say, well, we're not going to change our marketing. We get enough traffic. We're going to drop the price or we're going to increase the price or we're going to whatever leaving you think route. you discover, yeah. you know, we're going to reduce how many we're selling. We can't sell that many. We've overstocked the shelves. Um, so that confidence and that calmness as a leader, because I think your best marketers do more, less stuff, bigger and better. Um, and, um, they make sure that it, it is big impact. So, yeah. Um, I don't know, I think I've sounded like a CFO for the last couple of minutes, Connor, but I, I <laughs> well, think, um, I think it's really interesting. Cause I, I you know, I, I think 
because when you actually started talking about this, you kind of you mentioned finance, and I was like, oh, you need to talk more about this because I think it's a very important one that you know, I think finance can often get a bad rap. Ah, oh, finance, well, let's do this finance, you know, and and the blame gets put on finance. But from what you're saying is actually, it's an it's finance understanding the what and the why, you know, yeah. and the evidence, that, and then you understanding their what and why, yeah. and then figuring out the way because if you bring it collectively together to the CEO. Surely that, I mean, if that's the way it happened, that's just got much more power. Yeah, and it doesn't, like, and it also protects you when things aren't going well. You know, you're like, hey, you know, this we're down, but we're not, we don't have, we haven't all these discounts this quarter. Normally we had all these discounts, you know, like, and you, it helps you protect you when things aren't going as well. I think for my reflection too, is I've always been a better marketer when I've had a strong people, a strong financial partner. Right. Yeah, and that's, that's true. And any time where I've done better, I've had finance giving me the time of day, me giving them the time of day. And every time I've had a strong uh, financial partner, I've been better at my job. And what? Because that's an interesting. Part of, the, part of the things that you look for, not that you can you know, look for it, but I mean, just in terms of, you know, finance is often seen as, well, they need to sign off on their acquisition. It's not that. It's beyond that. It's more about the strategy that finance are setting for the business. Yep. Is that where you're, you're engaging with them at that level of uh, both, mature both. thinking? So, <laughs> yeah, so making sure the CFO and you are aligned, like you, you've got that there. But then also you've got to get where the rubber hits the road. You need the team that's going to do the work in finance on board with you. Yeah. Yeah, because finance, if you've got like your finance manager, like, no, I've got to protect Lee. When I go into that finance meeting, I need to make sure he's got, I've got to protect him because he's my partner that I work with and deliver yeah. all this stuff. And if they can be just as powerful, yeah, because in the rooms, the CFO is not in every finance meeting. Yeah. And if you have a, an army of people that say, oh, crap, I really like that that Intrepid magazine that they've got, or I liked the video that they made, and oh, we've got to make sure that, you know, we've seen sales go up. I can't, you know, my, my job performance is linked to the performance of this as well. So, yeah, you, you've got to have the strategic buy-in and work with your CFO on the strategy and make sure they're bought into that. But then you want to have an army of finance people that are like, Definitely want to give them more cash. Yeah. We've got to protect it because um, so many decisions happen under leadership. Think about the business, you know, the seed, you'll set the direction and the vision for the team and hire the people, but they're making thousands of decisions every week that you'll yeah. never see or know. And you've got to, if you can have them championing, fighting, helping, you, you'll start, it really changes your, your dynamic. And, you know, one of the cool things at the moment with, with that, I said the times uh, piece, you know, seeing the finance team share that on the social media, seeing them share that internally, being pumped about it, that's so yeah, bloody cool, yeah? yeah? And they're just, and I think also to the other thing, just I think people should cut the crap on, is that you, there's no one that's more important to the company. You're all important, so you need to be on board with everyone that works there, and you can't just be flying off to say, oh, they're boring. They're no, you're in the same company. You're in the same boat, and you've got to get rowing in the same direction. So I think we all need to sort of can't pass that blame. They're just as important as you. Just because yeah. you're a marketer and you might live in the cooler suburb and have the tattoos and the, the fade like I do, doesn't make me any more important. <laughs> doesn't make me any more important than the next person. So you've got to be humble around that and don't uh, have your head so far up because you get to go to the cool movies and see the, all that yeah. sort of stuff. They do too. They're people as well, and they have just as much right to the company as you do. So I think that attitude. I keep talking about attitude. Super important. Yeah, and that, like, the, yeah, that's a company culture. I like when you say that. Like, some of the my like best people I worked with in my previous company were like Richie and D and procurement. Like, they would because of that you had a relationship with their sound people. So I think that's yeah. key, right? And I don't know if you can. I one of my previous guests talked about that, like working with sound people. It's quite an Irish thing to say, but <laughs> I don't know if you can hire for soundness on a job description. But like, it's very important to find a way. And I know you're, for example, in Toronto now, meeting with the team. It's about connections as well, right? 
Yeah, and you've got to be human. Like, I think, too, the other thing is um, uh, you, you've got to be, like, it's dumb, isn't it? We're all human, so how do you be human? Um, yeah. <laughs> you've, got to have a, you've got to have a be a real person. Like, yeah. go have a Coke or a beer or someone, go have a coffee, be in the trenches, share your F-ups. I think one yeah. of the things that I try and do is um, I've made some really big stuff-ups as a leader over the last 15 years of my job. I talk about those a lot. Um, and also I own my, uh, infallibility. Wait, is that a word? I, I own the things that, like I suffer from like a bad anxiety, right? It's one of the things. And I, I talk about it a lot with my team and that gives me an extra level of connection and, um, trust from the people around. So yeah, sound is not just being great at your job. Sound is like having connections with people, owning your stuff ups, talking about the stuff you're not great at or what you're challenged with. Um, and the more sound people you have that just cut the crap, get on with work care about you you know have that care it, it just yeah. uh is one of the it, and it doesn't show up in a PL. it's a real hard intangible thing but yeah having yeah. sound people you never see that it's real hard to find that in a business case study but it does just help doesn't it and, and you, you you make you make things happen because everyone is yeah everyone's just like yeah let's let's go do it and and then obviously you see it like so the pride and the work you know the believability and what you're going to achieve and it must be an incredible moment you know when you think back when the first campaigns went live and people saw it in Melbourne and London, like how did that feel? Because that's a, a big moment of kind of everything coming together and actually going live. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things that um, I touched at the start, like all the unintended consequences of it, like people were pumped. I, I, I joked to my CEO that like my job title should be uh, chief merchandising officer, officer, CMO. Cause since the brand stuff, the requests for t-shirts and bags <laughs> and the pride from people like that want to have that stuff. Um, yeah, they were chuffed. People went and had photos. They went and had a, they went and like got on the tube yeah. and they were like this. And then our partners reached out and they were, you know, because also too, the other thing is, and I think the big thing with the step away from the performance stuff is you're actively out putting your neck on the line to grow the market. And that comes with respect from your competitors and from your partners and from your people. Yeah, you're actively putting your money, your mouth, your neck to grow the segment. Um, and that comes with a certain level of pride and respect. Um, so, yeah, our people have been pumped. They're all, they're all getting on sharing it and the demand for merchandise has skyrocketed. I love swag. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, interestingly, though, like what I, I think is important is you haven't you haven't moved away from performance and the need for it. And so I think, you know, we've talked a lot about the need for brand and, and where that's got you. It's kind of that future demand, I guess, for want of a better phrase. And, and if... So how do you balance that now within the business and kind of, you know, because I guess the risk is you come in and say, we want brand. And people are like, well, he was performance and now he wants brand, but he still wants performance. Like, how have you, have you balanced that? And, and what is the balance between, do you see it as, as a balance or do you see it as marketing? Yeah, no, it's a balance. <laughs> like it's a, it's a balance. It, it is marketing. It's like, yeah. uh, and, and also too, it's like too often. I think sometimes it's like all in or nothing. Things can be both. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. I can be right and wrong at the same time. <laughs> like it's, yeah, yeah. So you've got to be able to suspend this belief that both are required because I think what we've done for us to understand is we've got to be wherever the customer is going to purchase. Yeah. Right? So once you've done the work to be, people know you, they like you, they have a good emotional or whatever emotion you want them to have. Could be to hate you. I don't know. There's, I'm sure there's brands out there that might have that. When they go to shop, if you make it hard for the customer to find you, you're shooting yourself in the foot. Your competitor is going to be, well, thanks for doing that brand work. I'm going to pay for that extra chunky real estate. 
uh, whether it's through a travel agent, whether it's whatever. So you've got to then rock up and be where the customer's going to go. And customers use search. Like the, it's, it's how everyone yeah. does. If I'm booking a holiday, you go to search or I walk straight into my travel agent or I pick up the phone or whatever it is I do, which is different to the next, next person next to me. So the performance is about making sure you show up and are available where the customer is going to transact. Yeah. And that's about getting that balance right. So some months we might not be at this beautiful 50-50 split, it gets to 60 or 70 and, you know, it, it's fluid over time and, and, you know, some months it goes the other way. And it's about that performance is understanding that um, our customers are going to show up at different times and want to purchase through their medium that they want. So it would be ridiculous of us to be like, I'm not showing up there yet. And you've still got to manage it and be effective, but it's more removing the channel stuff and just being thinking, speaking to your customers um, and working with, within that. I think one of my Hail Mary moments, is that the right term? I, I, during the pandemic, I started to speak to customers a lot more. So I speak to customers and have a conversation, right? And it's, I go into it like a journalist. Yeah. I want to speak to them and I don't really have a script. I have like 10 things, conversation started, and I want to understand how they remembered us, how they transacted. And one of the big moments for me was how they use social media. Oh, right. Now the big nine out of 10 customers use social media to verify that you're real from sort of every customer I speak to nine out of 10 say, I don't really engage with your content, but I always go and check when I went to purchase, you had a blue tick and you had 300,000 followers. So that said that you were real. Wow. And you told customer stories. They've never engaged. They said, I don't follow you on social. I've never liked any of your content. You will never see, I would never see that in any attribution chart anywhere. Yeah, yeah. But that showed up and I was like, and then they said, we, they scroll through and see, oh, you answer customer complaints on, on your social media. That means if something goes wrong, I can get an answer. You tell customer stories, so customers must want to be associated with your brand. Um, and the trips were cool. And you had the blue tick. So I was like, yeah, I, I feel confident trust. enough. I, I go to Trustpilot. I'll give a couple other things. So yeah, it, it, and that's just from speaking to customers and that changed. So then we were like, we delved into our advertising. We're like, well, then from a social point of view, do we need to spend this much on the advertising component? We can probably put that into another part of that performance mix. What we want to do here is show trust by having enough followers Trust by showing we answer customer complaints transparently and, 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 and do that and ensure we're telling more customer stories on this channel so that yeah. they straight away can see, oh, customers are cool with that. They had a good experience in Turkey. I'm good. And we may never see them. And we've, we've really changed our social media. If you went to look at pre-pandemic to today, it, it looks like a completely different brand set up because we understood better what and how they use that platform. So it's not saying you don't use it. It's, under, it's, it's saying understand, speak to your customers um, and you've got to show up where your customers look to buy. Yeah. yeah? Otherwise, you're making it real hard on yourself. How, how often are you speaking to customers and how do you do it? Yeah, so um, I would speak to customers every month. Um, pandemic probably a little bit more when I had some more time. I was like speaking <laughs> yeah. all the time. But what, what we do is I have a customer care department, um, which we've really invested in, in during the pandemic and taking our customer care from reactive to proactive. One of those proactive measures is I get a list of random uh, from detractors and promoters. Um, and then I just send an email from my email address saying, hey, Lee Barnes from Intrepid, love to have a chat. Um, they can be good customers that love this, customers that don't really care, which is quite interesting yeah, to speak yeah. to those and customers that didn't enjoy the experience. And then I have a chat and I speak to them and it, it helps me color in the stuff you don't see in the business. And um, 
helps me understand where we should be spending our time as a business and understand the channels that we use and how customers use them and what annoys them. So yeah, it's not, it's not perfect, but I just, I find it as, as a marketing leader, just such a quick touch point into the organization. The other thing is too, is you go on the trips, go on an intrepid trip, have the trip with the customers, speak to them, give, get that live feedback. Uh, all our leaders go on, all of our okay. business leaders go on trips to, to get that. So yeah, it's a mix of going on trip and just calling customers and having a chat. Um, and they'll tell you straight up and they'll tell you just, they'll just tell you their unique experience and how they went about it. Um, and everyone does it differently. And yeah, you'll just get some absolute nuggets um, oh, yeah. of information. Um, and the, the stuff they say, like, uh, what's one of the quotes one of our customers said? Um, oh, so our leaders have red jackets uh, with the Trepid logo. And they said, I'll follow that red jacket anywhere. And I was like, holy, that's awesome. Yeah. Like, that's like, yeah. like, copy, like marketing gold. Like, um yeah, oh, yeah so it's just just those sort of things where um and they just cut through the bs they're like they're like this part of the journey was crap i couldn't work it out i couldn't get you know okay cool so we've got to make it easier for customers to get in touch with us here and um also too one of the things from that was like one of the reasons convert this is an interesting one too the performance marketer would never see is conversion drop off because a lack of trust in the brand because they didn't know us and because we weren't out and about marketing when they came to the website they didn't inherently trust us because they hadn't okay. seen us in the, in the wild. And yeah. so as you start to do more brand, you see that trust and that conversion pick up because, oh yeah, I, I know these guys, if they can afford a billboard or they can do the radio ad or they can do yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, they've got to be a sound business. Um, and that started to improve in, in markets where we do brand, our conversion outperforms it. That's interesting, that, that, that we don't. And you would never see that. If I was purely e-commerce, like under the hood, yeah. And I was like, yeah. I'd be like, it's a traffic problem or it's a site problem. You're probably not going to solve it through those two levers, yeah? So that's been another uh, accidental or... Yeah. We, that was one of the things. These like almost natural A-B testing scenarios where you've got like cities where you're doing it, cities where you're not doing the advertising or the brand work as strongly yeah. and you can kind of see that. Do you, just an interesting thought on customers. Do you get to speak to customers who who don't travel with you and understand that. I always find that fascinating, the ones that don't. Yeah, well, I think I maybe do that at the pub. God, that's where I've done <laughs> that part of it, um, or at the cafe. But, um, yeah, look, it's something that we've started to do. We, we are now doing that more. Yeah, we've started. We, we identified that that was probably something we weren't doing outside of our social lives. Um, and we've started to do that more through surveying brand health tools, which we never did. We've only just brought on a brand health tool, uh, Qualtrics, in the last one. Okay six to nine months and we're surveying people that aren't our customers and starting to get that insight. So yeah, we're early on, but it's something that we're tr trying to do more and get a better grip on. So um, we'll be on the fact too, the, the absolute nugget for me from talking about our customers was the fact they didn't know us. Yeah. And that for yeah, me is probably yeah, yeah. the number one. You get so caught up in all the, the attribution numbers, but for me, that was the still probably the number one kicker. Yeah. And um, speaking of kind of the, the measuring, what are, what are the thing, what are the key things you look at? measuring yeah so for me there's a couple of key ones and i sort of touched on them before one for me is uh our number one indicator for success is uh trip page sessions so pretty rudimentary shopping you know like you try and have footfall on a retail store like if we yeah. get people to this trip page that means we'll have sales in three to six months i'm pretty confident that that, that right. comes through so i'm brutal around making sure we hit that from a short-term commercial point of view 
Two, uh, we use um, awareness, like a, a brand uh, awareness metric to say, yes, enough people know Intrepid and we're moving in the right direction. And that is to say we're going to have revenue in six, 12, 18 months, that long term. The other big one for us is the commercial metric uh, around um, what we call trip fill. So like um, uh, we've got, we're selling enough of the products that we right. want and getting enough bums on seats. Yes, yeah? so that's brutal for us. That's our profitability. Understanding for me to know like these trips have good margin, these trips need X amount of people. So really focus on ensuring we can hit what we call uh, trip fill. Uh, what would the airlines call it? I've gone blank there, you know, making sure the, the plane's full. Effectively. Yeah. yeah, I used to work in hotels and we used to be told like, you know, if a room... If a room doesn't sell tonight, yeah. like that revenue can never be got back again. Exactly. So, so that, so that brutality. Yeah. Then, uh, purpose goal. So, we want to deliver, um, raise two million dollars through the Intrepid Foundation to go into to communities. So, um, really uh, focus the team around uh, hitting that 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 number. Um, and then uh, engagement of the team. So making sure our team like working in Intrepid. So they're my five metrics that I would check every, every, yeah, check, check every week, make sure the compass is pointing in the right direction. And if it's not, then I would be looking to, um, change yeah, and get, get things happening. So there's heaps of others. I get lots of other reports I can imagine. Um, and yeah. there's lots of other <laughs> indicators and stuff that are there for me. If I do those five things, we will hit our revenue number. Obviously revenues is, is, yeah. is the end game, but if I do those five things, we will hit that number. Yeah, and that, and that's delivered to the business. So that's what keeps me awake at night. Sure, there's lots of other little things and we'll move those levers. But like I said before, sometimes marketing gets into too much of a shopping list and you're trying to win everywhere. Yeah. You yeah. can't. You've got to pick and you've got to know your business and you've got to set your strategy to say, these five things, if I do them, everything else here is going to move towards towards yeah, the, yeah. That, that, like a moth to a shiny light, yeah? yeah. So, um <laughs> And other people in the team have other levers and they'll be suggesting, but I think my guidance or my learning, and this came through a lot of the, the reading and stuff around planning and, and strategy is like, can't do everything. You've got to know your business and pick those bleeding edge, like those five objectives that have to happen and steer your ship towards it. How do you, ha I mean, that's a very clear focus. How do you keep people focused on that <clears throat> around like making decisions within the business? So, you know, I can I obviously see scenarios people have, wonderful ideas yeah. want to try things we should do this thing here how do you how do you get space for that because you know i guess innovation creativity try new things but focus on big bets yeah i know i don't know if i do this one right i may be the wrong person kind of to chat about this one because <laughs> i can be accused of being saying no too much and i've probably got a couple of emails in my inbox that <laughs> they're a little bit hot on my fingers at the moment that may may say they just that. Um, oh, look, I think I think there's enough space within those goals that people should be able to be creative, you know, like um, uh, and go make stuff make stuff happen with, within that. Um, yeah, we're, I think for us too, it's been a bit different. We're just coming back from the pandemic, so for us, it's been like getting the train back on the, the tracks. But in saying that too, we've still had space to innovate and bring in things like our ethical marketing guidelines. We've brought those in. Um, we continue to do a hell of a lot of cool stuff around our reconciliation action plan. We worked with Tourism Australia to implement a ring, which is a group of Australian businesses that come together and, and champion reconciliation. Um, we are looking, we're launching new products all the time. We have an amazing range of women's expeditions where, you know, constantly looking at how we can remove flights from our trips. So there's still innovation happening within that framework. Um, but yeah, it's hard because everyone's got ideas. Marketers yeah. loves the shiny new stuff, but I think boringly, and what I've said to my boss is when he's asked, what are you most proud of this year? It's our market is doing more of the right stuff more often than ever before. Um, and 
that shiny syndrome has probably dropped a little bit, maybe just some frustration. Um, but there's still space to innovate on the right stuff. But we had to, you've got to balance it. You've got to deliver what, what's, what's required. So I don't know if I've given you an answer, Connor. Yeah, I no, the, no. I did the PR spin, so I didn't have to answer it and told you a bunch of other stuff. So <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Give yeah. me the ethical marketing guidelines again, which we will get to before the end. But, <laughs> but I think, what, like, I guess what's interesting with that is, is the leadership of it in that if the team and people who work with you know that what you're talking to the CEO about is these things, and I'm proud of the fact that the team are doing more of these things, then that that's where people, it's all about, I, well, not all about, but it's about reward and recognition. If people reward and recognition for those things, they're the right behaviors. And I guess it is, what are the behaviors you're looking for people? And maybe there'll come a time in a year where you're like, actually, we need to have some new ideas. And so let's go yeah. find a way of creating that. Uh, you know, I've said it before that there's, the great thing about marketers is there's no there's no lack of new ideas from any marketer. Marketers are brilliant at coming up with yeah. ideas. The problem is, they, for me, often it's like, what is the business challenge you're trying to solve? And yeah. then you know if there's an idea required to fix that or or not. Yeah, and I think for me personally, in our situation in Intrepid coming back out of the pandemic, I think in the future I've got to find a way to be a little bit more silly and fun and maybe not take some of it so seriously because so much of it, to be honest, like as a leader has been getting the business back. After yeah, COVID, yeah. And it has maybe, uh, I don't know, some of that. So I probably, a uh, reflection for me from this call is probably how do I get some <laughs> of my uh, weirdness back and, and have some of the team find that space to do that stuff because, you know, lots of marketing wins have come from those silly, fun things, but you've got to make sure it aligns again to those five goals and delivers. So yeah. you've given me one thing to take away, Connor, that I need to get uh, my <laughs> weirdness and relax a bit, I think, on a few things. <laughs> Yeah, it's a, uh, yeah, we, and look, you know, I've had before where I've had, you've kind of had a a small budget to try those things. It has to be big enough to be able to measure it, but like a small budget and, and kind of go and, and figure out some of those things. And, you know, but again, a key thing for me for those moments is what decision would we make as a result of doing this thing? So if we do something fun and crazy and innovative and, you know, if it works, what would we do? Would we scale this to every market? And often you know, we've stopped and we didn't do things because we weren't able to answer that question. So yeah. the, it, it's the balance, isn't it? It's kind of like, yes, have that. But like, we need to know that there's a point to it. It's not yeah, and, and, and also to probably a bit more comfortability in like things failing and yeah. know, being okay that, you know, out of, out of these 10 swings, only one's going to be a hit, but it needs to be enough to pay off for the others. So, yeah. Yeah. And I think it's probably more an attitude thing for us as we bounce out of the pandemic and getting some of that vibe back. But yeah, you probably want to look at it to have some safeguards to say, hey, if we're going to do this wacky thing, how is it going to win for us? Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it sounds crazy to have like wacky ideas, but like a framework. <laughs> <Yeah, laughs> like, uh, this hypothesis framework. Um, so I wanted, I do want to talk about your ethical marketing guidelines. Did I get that yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, definitely, yeah. yeah, yeah. And so tell me a bit more about about that and why it's you know obviously yeah. it's very important but how it's kind of coming to life for intrepid yeah there's two reasons well probably three reasons for why it's really important is um one our customers are broad diverse set of people and we weren't doing a good enough job in representing that yeah and in travel there's so much content from the image to the words to social to all of this stuff and we weren't representing our customers to show them a future where they could travel and go see the world so fundamentally one for as a company wants to be a force for good that just has to get sorted two B Corp framework had said basically that, yeah, and we needed to have a way to report, measure, and say you were doing it. Because we're like, oh, we're diverse. And they're like, well, how the hell, where's your documentation? Where, If you were in finance or in any other part of the business to say, 
I'm doing this governance thing. You'd have a governance document. Yeah. So there was like, yeah, it's great that you talk the, the chops, but are you actually delivering it and how you keep yourself accountable? And third, it's that transparency. So it gives transparency to our customers, our partners, that when we don't get something right, we own it and talk about it. So the guidelines are effectively a way for us to set measurable targets and commit funds to increasing the amount of First Nations people that we represent in our advertising uh, marketing content. Ensure that we are doing certain things around data, that we are representing people of differing abilities, that um, we're highlighting uh, uh, black travellers. So there's a whole framework right. there that we have to say, hey, we're spending this amount of cash. We're going to have this amount of stories told from this perspective, LGBTQI+, um, etc. Then what we do each six months is that I will do a uh, come to peace, like come to grace to say, we're on track here. We've done a good job. But these other pieces, we did not get enough First Nations creators on our social media channels um, to show right. those experiences. Yeah. We're going to change that and I'll put this in place. Or we misreported this number at the time and it is not correct now as we've reflected on it and improved. Here is us stating that. So one, it's seen substantial change. Again, if you went to our social media channels and our advertising, you'd see that people we represented different in age, uh, ability, um, and we're representing different LGBTQI plus communities. It also becomes uh, something that we use as a North Star when we do have things come up where there's feedback where people may not be liking what we're doing and we can say, no, we've committed to this and here's the proof in our policy. So it gives you that strength of having a policy, which is quite powerful. And I think yeah. what we've seen in some of the... Um, gender diversity marketing issues that are being happening is that there isn't a policy or a place where you've put your chops on the table to say, this is the framework we're working to. Um, so yeah, it's seen create big change. So if you look through our marketing, you would be able to notice, see, read, feel, touch that. Um, and yeah, the transparency stuff, I think it's for me, it's probably the biggest thing is as a purpose leader at Intrepid is owning and communicating and being transparent. We launch an integrated report each year. We're a private company, we don't have to, and that's a okay. full open look at our books from a financial perspective and a look at our business beyond the finance, the sustainability, the marketing and highlighting what we've got right and what we've got wrong. So these guidelines are just another extension of that, that we're transparent. And if we don't get something right, we're held accountable to it. We also have an email address called accountability at Intrepid Travel, where people can reach out and say, you haven't done this, or have you thought right. about this? or you need to change this. We don't always, and we don't always get that right, but we have yeah. that facility where I can have a conversation or someone else on the team, depending on what it's about, can follow up and do that. So that's been quite powerful. And then we, what we did when we developed those ethical marketing guidelines, we had consultants, we paid them, they came on and they keep us in check as well and say, you guys need to step up here. You need to do this better. Um, you know, I think the main one, which I stuffed up and didn't get right, um, and which is a, it just crap for me because I'm also the sponsor, was the sponsor of our reconciliation action plan. We weren't showcasing enough First Nations creators okay. on our social media channels. We communicated it, we owned it, and now we've put in place a plan to start having changed that. We've, we've, we've brought on people. So, yeah, that's it. It should make us a better company. It should represent yeah. the travelers, people from all walks of life travel. Um, and we need to do a better job of telling their stories and owning that. And this transparency has really helped us both with our partners and our customers. And also just for me too, it's like a way to have governance from the outside world that keeps me in check. So it's yeah. quite powerful in that regards as well. Like, holy shit, uh, we've got to make sure, you know, like it has that yeah, yeah. Uh, regulation and heartbeat of something else that keeps you in line. And I will, I'll be constantly through the year with our comms director, um, you know, Hey, we should, we need to include this. We haven't done this right. And then we'll be capturing all of that. And, um, I will probably, what are we at now? Probably in the next month or so doing another snapshot of where we sit this year. And, um, I wouldn't have been doing that. Do you know what I mean? I wouldn't have been capturing yeah. those things if I didn't have that, uh, external, um, 
policy document out there guidelines um you just probably sit my inbox and i'm like oh that'd be nice if i fix that so it gives you that yeah 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 kind of to keep you in check because the day-to-day would you know keep you do there's plenty to do right and so that moment to kind of actually say this is important i again it goes back to almost where we started like the that from the top level of importance and being able to invest and the other thing I think it's been, it's done to is brought a level of calmness. Like, because we have it in place, I'll be like, okay, we've noticed this. What I'll yeah. do is in six months time or two months time, when we do that snapshot, I'll include it in that and own it. And that gives me a platform that's in place. Um, obviously, if it's bad enough, and I need to move quickly and we can, you know, talk it, I can write something else and do it. But it brings a level of calmness to say, no, we've got a policy in place. We haven't met it. When we don't do that, we do X, Y, and Z. So it's like, okay. You know, like it, when you've got that in place, it just calms yeah. stuff down too. So that's been like another happy accident that I probably um, wasn't prepared for. I didn't understand when we were bringing it together. Yeah, yeah, reduces the fire drills, as, as someone used to call it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, um, yeah. my last question, because we're at time, is, you know, an amazing story, you know, amazing, you know, I guess, as you've kind of said, moving from such a strong performance business into kind of more of the balance and um, for for maybe companies or, or, or marketers who are who are trying to get there, but may have, you know, Intrepid's big revenue, right? You know, compared to some other companies. Yeah. How, how do you think they can go about learning from this and applying it to their business? You know, I know it's hard. That's a very general question because yeah. there's lots of different types of companies. Yeah, I think I'll answer that in two ways. One, don't think that everything I'm saying is great. There's been F-ups along the way and you will F up. <laughs> and it's, don't, like... Uh, this stuff stuffs up. So I think sometimes we've got to just say that up front that marketing isn't perfect and we always project as marketers, yeah, yeah. but you will F up and you've got to learn to be okay with F ups um, and it's not going to be there. So one, um, I'm not perfect. Everyone gets up and does this talking head stuff isn't and there's lots of mistakes. And I think sometimes that scares people from starting, you know, like to buy your first ad. I remember sending my first email, absolute crapping myself, like going to 10,000 people. Remember you send your first and I had to hit send the stress around that. And then as you start to send millions of them, which have happened now, and I'm sure you've done in your job, Connor, you're like, whatever, there's mistakes. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. Oh, so yeah. I think that's so important for people with smaller companies. You're going to make some, but just start. Give it a crack. Go. Um, so that would be my first, first piece of advice. Um, the second one is what do you want your company to be known for? What do you want to be proud of? And I think that's a really great starting point. Um, what do your customers so start that? And that sort of is a good starting point. Now, our company wants to change the way people see the world. What does your company want to do? You know, if you're a dry cleaner, you want to dry clean more shirts. That's cool. If that's what you want to do, own that. Yeah. That's, a, that's a story. That's the thing for you to stand out. People go to you to get your shirt clean. They maybe don't go to you, you know, like there's the discounts and all that other stuff. But I think, what are you proud of? What do you need to be known for? And start there and then that will tell you what magazines you might show up in, what radio you might do, what nothing. You might do nothing. You might just, what events you show up at and to tell that yeah. story. So two things I think for me is we're not perfect. Don't let that scare you and you've got to make F-ups, get started. And the second one is what do you want to, what do you want to be proud of and what do your customers need to know and start there and that's a pretty good North Star. Amazing. Lee, what a great place to end. Great advice and wonderful story. Thanks so much for sharing it with us today. I appreciate it, Connor. Thanks for having me, and uh, hopefully everyone's enjoyed the nice backdrop for the for the call as well. Yeah, yeah, the leaf frame. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers! Thanks a million. Thanks, man. So I hope you enjoyed that episode. I love the balance Lee has. He saw something happened. Yes, there was a catastrophic world event, but he challenged his own beliefs of marketing, 
and has now created a more balanced approach to his marketing. For me, that is the constant lesson and reminder these episodes provide me, and I hope you too. We have to constantly read, research, explore the evidence, and find the right mix, challenge our own beliefs. And as Lee said, it doesn't have to be all in or nothing. Things can be both. So that's it for this episode. Thanks for listening or watching. That's what I call marketing. If you did enjoy it, please do share, add comments with your feedback. You can get in touch and find all previous episodes on that's what I call marketing.com. Follow us on Instagram on that's what I call marketing. On Twitter at that's underscore marketing where we chat about other marketing stuff. And now you can watch our episodes back on YouTube. Yes, that's what I call marketing. So from me, Conor Byrne, until the next episode, take care.